All right, friends, we are back here. Uh, this is Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park. And, and now we continue on with our study of Genesis chapter 9, verses 12 to 28. I know last week um, I was not here um, as, well, I was here, just did not have time uh, to get to these recordings. But uh, now I'm back and we are getting back at it, trying to combine two studies into one. I don't know if we can do it, but we will try because, well, that's just what we do here at Faith Luther and Moore Park. We continue to fight on, to roll on, to endure, to be led by the light of God's eternal word, because that's all there is. And today we talk about rainbows. Today we talk about vineyards. Today we talk about don't be a ham. And then we talk about Shem and Japheth. And then we talk about blessing curse. And that is what we're going to go through today. There's a lot on this board as you see it. Uh, wow, what an undertaking we will have. Let's see how it plays out. All right, uh, let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for this time. Lord, bless us as we study your word that you are the God of grace, the God of patience, the God of promise. Lord, bless and keep us and, and lead us in your blessings knowing full well that though we deserve nothing, Lord, you give us all things. Thank you, O Lord, for Jesus, for the redemption, for the forgiveness of sins. Bless and lead us, O Lord, always in your promises in Christ alone. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, uh, where are we at? Genesis 9, 12 to 28. Why don't I go over here? And as we continue today, uh, we begin on verse 12. So if you have your Bibles out, Genesis 9, verse 12 and following, uh, please get that out for me right now, Genesis 12, or Genesis 9, 12 to 28, and we will read that together. I'll give you one second. Five, four, three, two, and one. Let's get started. All right. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. So the, God gives us the sign of the covenant. And that is what? For us Every living creature in all future generations, verse 13, I've set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. God gives us the merciful care through the sign. It is God who established us, uh, who establishes this promise as he would give us the sign of the covenant between uh, God and all humanity. Because here we see Jesus and the Lord really establishing the promises to man. You know, it always reminds us, as Luther would say in his commentary on Genesis, uh, in the volume 2 on page 144 of, um, of Luther's works, uh, based on this text, we are called to attention, or we, called it, we are called <laughs> attention to the garments of skin with which he clothed the naked human beings as a sign that he wanted to protect, defend, and preserve them. That is, 
after the flood had subsided, here he gives them the promise. Just as Adam and Eve sinned and they were naked, he gave them the garments to cover them all by the sacrifice of an animal. That covering would show Adam and Eve how God continued to have mercy on them as he cared for them and provided for them um, by this very gift of clothing. Now, in the same way, after the flood, after evil had ravaged the land and the flood took its course, there God gives Noah a sign, right? Noah and his family, as they would repopulate the earth, he would give them the sign of the covenant of what? Of this rainbow, right? And the question is, Um, How does God's comforting promise define and shape you? See, it's by this covenant that Noah very well knew that God had established and God would deliver, and he would uh, comfort and and care for Noah and his family and all uh, of the future generations, right? And this is where... So we'll talk about later the faithfulness of God. I should use a different color here. Too much black, I need to put some red and some other colors in. The faithfulness of God, we see, as uh, he establishes these very words. Now, what does he give to them? Well, he gives them a rainbow. Verses 14 and 15. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again, right? become a flood to destroy all flesh. So here we see what? We see not only is God as merciful, but he is uh, giving them uh, the remembrance of that, yes, never again will they be destroyed by this universal flood, all by the sign of a rainbow. When you look at a rainbow, I know many will say this looks like the Hollywood Bowl, But when you look at the rainbow, what does this sign remind us of, right? And uh, from a great book by Herberger, it it reads, God skillfully fashioned the rainbow to serve firstly as a preacher of repentance to the whole world, and secondly as a comforter for all mankind. This is what rainbows tell us whenever it shines in the heavens. Repent, dear people. Yet do not despair in your sins, for the grace of God far outweighs all your sin and iniquity. Right? So, the rainbow is a reminder of the floodgates of the whole narrative of this story. Right? It's a reminder of not only what has happened, but what will happen. Right? What has happened was the evil to the flood right, as the ark, and now as they were getting ready uh, to, uh, to repopulate the earth, we see the story, and it's a reminder of why the rainbow had needed to come, because of their sin. It was a time of repentance to see why they were even at that point of the flood, and it's a humbling fact that Noah and his family were saved, and there they were to uh, go forth and repopulate in this new creation. But the rainbow served as that reminder of what sin brought to the table. Yet the rainbow also serves as a reminder of God's grace, of the gospel, right? Of the good news, right? When we see Jesus on the cross, what does that mean, right? We we realize that what? That we put Jesus on the cross, 
that he endured the cross because of our sins. But at the same time, it's by that very work in his blood that was shed that he forgives us of our sins. Right? It's a sign that we make in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit there in the liturgy at the beginning, right? As we start every divine service to remind us of how we were brought in all by the grace of God, all by the sign of the cross to which we were baptized into, into his name, into the triune name. And there we rest upon the robe of righteousness, the promise of God that he gives us according to the water and word of holy baptism as proclaimed in scripture. But again, we look to these signs as a sign of comfort. The rainbow is a sign of comfort that even in the midst of all evil, he delivered Noah and his family, and he's establishing this covenant never again. God of grace, this is your God. God of mercy, this is your God. God of promise, this is your God. Right? Okay, so repentance and forgiveness, the law and the gospel, that is what the rainbow serves to us as. Okay, verses 16 to 17, why don't we read that together? You have that out? All right, when the bough is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Right? As it reads in Hebrews 1.3, if you have that out. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. the sign of the covenant, this rainbow illumined by the eternal light of Christ, that he is the radiance of the glory of God. You know, at the end of the day, the promise of God is, is, is to which we cling. And here, as it says in Colossians 3, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. This is the sign to which we cling, right? The word of God. God is faithful. He cannot deny himself. And that's the truth, friends, right? When we talk about the promises of God, that through all things, he gives them his very word, the everlasting covenant I have established. That is all about the faithfulness of God and his grace and what he has come to do by his very word. This is what God is giving to us. God gave Noah the command, and he did it by faith. But God gave the command. God leads Noah through all things. God gives him the new covenant, and here we see his faith as now we are here in 18 and 19. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. The new start. That's right. The children. And there in chapter 10, we'll talk about the table of nations. Uh, And in chapter 11, we'll go deeper into Shem's family line. But this is all that recreation, that that, that be fruitful and multiply. We we see the the, the, uh, 
what is it called, you guys? Um, the, uh, the flashback to Genesis 1 and 2 and, and, and God's creation, right? But th- th- this is the picture of what God commands them to do. As they were to go forth and to disperse and, and to repopulate the earth into this new creation, right? Again, the promise of God, the faithfulness of God, ultimately Jesus Christ, the, the promised seed, but yet, at the end of the day, here we rest upon what defines and shapes us, and that is his very word. Okay, so Shem, Ham, Japheth, these are the kids. What does it say parenthetically right there uh, in verse 18? Ham was the father of Canaan. Ham was the father of Canaan in verse 18. All right. Um, <clears throat> Where were we? That's right. Okay. Verse uh, 20 and following. Okay, the vineyard. Here we go. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. So, he planted a vineyard. God provides the water for that vineyard. Article 1 stuff, fourth petition stuff of the, of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. But yet, at this time, we realize what happened. Noah fell to an inebriated state. Why can I say that word? Inebriated. He was drunk, and there he was found naked. I think it's a realization um, as we see it, if, you know, for the handout that I usually pass out at uh, church here. Um, it's a reminder of, oh, sorry, sorry, we got to go back, right? So the picture of the vineyard is one of, uh, of great bountiful blessing, right? And it gets us back uh, to how God provides. Uh, we always say, I am the vine, you are the branches. And a lot of times, um, as I was reading one of my books here, I quoted it in our handout. It says, the Christian church from Herberger is compared to a vineyard chiefly because it is in her that Jesus Christ, the noble vine from whom we derive our sap strength, comfort, and life, is love, honored, and confessed. Right? So as Noah was uh, planting a vineyard, there God would provide this vineyard, but also for us in this life, everything is of the vineyard, and that is ultimately as we are the uh, branches, as he is the vine, and there we trust in what God provides for us. But yet in his provisions, what happens to Noah? He fell to drunkenness. You know, what, is, what is the danger of drunkenness, my friends? Getting drunk, right? I mean, you lose focus, alertness, you're off guard. Uh, you know, uh, we're in this state of, uh, of being loose and, 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 and susceptible and vulnerable, and, and it's very dangerous, right? So Noah serves us, and, and we look at Noah up till now, and, and we see what a, great, what a great man of faith he is. But yet at the same time, 
Just as the Bible says about drunkenness in Proverbs 23, 32, in the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. It reminds us of the great sting of sin that Noah, though he is a great patriarch of the faith, right? Uh, He still has, as he was born into the same flesh as we are, sin, right? Luther writes in Uh, on page 166, volume 2. But the intention of the Holy Spirit is familiar from our teaching. He wanted the godly who know their weakness, and for this reason are disheartened, to take comfort in the offense that comes from the account of the lapses among the holiest and most perfect patriarchs. In such instances, we should find sure proof of our own weakness and therefore bow down in humble confession, not only to ask for forgiveness, but also to hope for it. Again, Noah reminds us that he is a sinner too. It's a very humbling moment as we look in the mirror and there we see our own weaknesses of sin and there we bow down in humble confession, not only asking for forgiveness, but also having our hope for it. See, Noah is a stark reminder for us that uh, righteousness is by faith. Habakkuk, right? The righteous shall live by faith. This is the picture of true righteousness. Now, my point is, is that a lot of people think that righteousness is all about works, that works quantify your righteousness. Rather, faith or works are the fruits of faith, right? The fruits of our faith, where there we are called to do the will of God. But yet our righteousness, again, key point here is is by faith not quantified by works but through the faith there we are led in the righteousness of god um, to do what he has called us to do now again uh, why is this important because noah is a sinner too um, his righteousness is rooted in the promises of god and there this serves as a moment of repentance and also of forgiveness That not only do we ask for forgiveness, but our hope is in the promises of God and His covenant. Right? I I think it really does put us in a humbling state. Because you and I both know that building a boat, 450 feet, with no tools in sight, he did it hand by hand for for that many years, and there he falters. We realize that he is a sinner like us. But what makes him righteous, again is the faith that God has given to him in his word. Right? And there we have the life of repentance and forgiveness, the, the very picture of the rainbow. Right? So Noah is not perfect. He serves as a reminder that even the holiest of holies of the perfect patriarchs, there we too find our weakness, as Noah would show his sin, his nature, that we were all born into as well. All right, verse 22 yeah, again, that's, that's how damaging original sin is, my friends. If we don't understand what original sin is, then we will also misunderstand what true righteousness is. Does that make sense? If we don't understand how original sin that brought sin into the world, that we are both all born blind and dead and enemies of God, that by our nature we are children of wrath, then we know that righteousness cannot be attained by ourselves, that this righteousness is given to us by the grace of our Lord, Right? And that's where our faith resides. Now, again, we can mix this up a lot. A lot of people have faith in their works. A lot of people have faith in themselves. A lot of people have faith in their legalism, right? When, in fact, our faith is in the righteous work of Christ. 
Very big difference. And, and there we are declared righteous all by what he has done for us. All right. Verse 22. Verse 22. I know I did a, um, a small catechism live right before this. So I'm, I don't know. I'm getting out of shape. Even talking makes me go out of shape. But this is live. This is live, right? All right. I love it. I love it. And I love you guys dearly. All right, uh, verse 22. And Ham, oh no, don't be a Ham, they say. The father of Canaan saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Now again, you know, just seeing that verse alone, you would say, okay, what's the big deal? Ham, the youngest one, I'm the youngest one too. Don't ask. Anyways... (laughs) He, uh, he goes out and he tells his brothers, Shem and Japheth, like, look what's happening. Look what dad is. He's naked. He's drunk. You know, and there is this assumption that he, rather than quietly respecting his father and covering him up without making any pomp and circumstance, he actually blabbed and almost ridiculed his dad by just going out and telling his brothers, right? He should have just quietly, what? Not gloat. Luther says, much less, let us not... Oh, no, sorry. Hence, when we see saints fall, let us not be offended. Much less, let us not gloat over the weakness of other people or rejoice as though we are stronger, wiser, and holier. And this is the plight of Ham, right? It is that, look at Dad, look what he's done. And there is that moment of being stronger, holier, and and more wiser in the face of someone's weakness. No, we, we are to bear another's uh, burdens. We are to have compassion for others who are falling into sin. We are there because we know the compassion that he has given to us first in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here we see Ham doing the exact opposite, right? He actually goes to tell his brothers, and, and there he is exposing what his dad has done, right? But what does Shem and, Shem and Japheth do? Why don't we read that together? Verse 23. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. Now, this is a very big difference between what Ham had done, that they were walking backwards, just imagine that, without looking at their father's nakedness, and they were covering him up without turning their face, right? I mean, that, that's a sign of honor, honoring your father, a sign of respect. Um, and, and they're rather than broadcasting their father's nakedness, like, ha ha, look what my father's doing or what, look what he's done. Um, no, they simply quietly act and cover him up. A tale of two different stories. It's interesting what Noah does next. Verse 24. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall be, shall he be to his brothers. Remember, who, who is the curse of Canaan? That is Ham's family line. Now, the thing is about the land of Canaan, we know, we just studied this, right? A couple years ago, maybe, or a year ago, about Joshua finally entering the land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness into Canaan. 
we very well know the Israelites would finally overtake all by the power of God the land of Canaan as they would inhabit the land. Now, the curse of Canaan was this. Because of what Ham had done, there Noah was uh, uh, giving him uh, the curse. Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall, be, shall he be to his brothers. And again, this is interesting because you know why? Because Canaan was a land of great what? Paganism, idolatry, sexual immorality, depravity. I mean, it, the godly goop of, of evil, right? I mean, this is, I mean, even, even during the time uh, of the Israelites inhabiting, the woman would, uh, would definitely, of Canaan, would, would coerce uh, the Israelites. And there they would mix religions. There they would fall away from the faith. Uh, there they would go on their own way, all because of this pagan idolatry. Now, Canaan was a land of great worth. They, it seemed like a lot of things that they had, they had everything. And it's so paradoxical because at the end of the day, they were under a curse. Even though it looked like they had everything, that they had all, everything together, that they had all these amenities, all these things, all these uh, exports and minerals and all these things, yet at, at the end of the day, even in their prosperity, they were under a curse. Right? And that's the way of the world, isn't it? The world amasses all these goods and say, look what we have, but yet in sin, without, uh, without faith, uh, there they know that this curse, though they are in pagan idolatry, there this curse still exists, right? Because of sin. Um, okay, continuing on here. Oh, let me get my other hand out here. Uh, Verse 26 and 27. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be a servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. Right. Wow. This board looks pretty busy today. But this is the bullet point. This is it, you guys. So listen with with wolf-like ears. Get them perked right? Uh, Here we see the blessing. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Now, again, this is interesting because what does Noah say? Blessed be the Lord, right? The God of Shem. Now, when we look at Shem and Japheth, at the end of the day, the line of Shem goes to who? Abraham. And the line of Abraham, as we know, goes to who? Jesus. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. That's right. Let Canaan be his servant. Canaan, the promised land, was was a foretelling of what was to come in the true promise of Christ. And here we see in the blessed line of Shem, blessed be the Lord God, the God of Shem. This family, you know, that's the thing, friends. The Old Testament, Jesus is everywhere, isn't he? Jesus is everywhere. And here we see it. This is the line, right? Blessed be the God, the God of Shem. Because this line would be given the word made flesh, the promised seed ever since when? Genesis 3.15. 
the first gospel, the Proto-Evangelion. And, and what about Japheth, right? Why is he blessed? Now, Japheth is seen as the sea people, as the coastland people, and as the present day or as the time, the Gentiles, right? For Jew and Gentile, here we see God's blessing. You know, ultimately for Shem and Japheth, as, they, as it says what right there? They would share tents. Uh, let him dwell in the tents of Shem. Uh, there we see as Canaan would also be his servant. There we would see the picture ultimately of Jesus. Now, this is the ultimate blessing through it all. You know, when we talk about the, 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 the totality of this story as we have gone over today, I mean, just think of God's grace that is weaved throughout this story, right? Uh, from, from the fall to, uh, what else? Uh, sorry, to Cain and Abel, right? And what happened? We know the story, murdered, right? Blood crying or Abel crying from the ground. Cain uh, sent out, outcast. And there, when all hope was lost, as if, you know, as if Eve thought maybe Cain was the one. No, obviously he wasn't. There was Seth. Right? And from that Sethly line would come Noah. And from Noah would come the blessed line of Shem and Japheth. And there from Shem, even though there was a flood, there, this family was saved, and ultimately it would lead to Jesus. Now, we could go down the storyline, history of Jesus, and all that had happened before the Word became flesh. But the point is, is that God is in control as He establishes His will through even these most downtrodden moments, right? that he delivers and he gives to them by his very promise, ultimately the promise of Jesus Christ. That through it all, we see the, the covenant, the new covenant in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is the picture, you guys, of how God works. And that's why, as I asked you earlier about your comfort in the promises of God, this is the story of salvation. And through all things, through the rainbow through the preaching of repentance and forgiveness here as we see the signs, as we trust in the sign and the word of God and what he has given. There, even in his sin, Noah, there we see his sons acting in certain ways, Shem and Japheth, uh, faithfully and respecting their father in great honor. There we see Noah with his foresight to uh, not only curse Canaan and all that would happen to Canaan as it actually came into fruition, right? Uh, But also Shem and Japheth, Thanks be to God, ultimately Jesus. So many dominoes had to fall in the perfect way all by the hand of God, and it was done. And this is our hope. This is our everlasting covenant. I mean, friends, you know, we live in this time and space, and and, and it's so, at times... Uh, so difficult to see and anticipate what is to come in a sense of we, we lose sight of what is our true hope, right? 
But yet, when we look at this story right here, we see our true hope strewn throughout this narrative. This is all contingent upon the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And what a great picture this is um, as we uh, continue to dwell upon uh, the promises of God through it all. So he is a God of grace and mercy as he gives the rainbow. There Noah starts the new creation with him and his family. There he falls to drunkenness. Yet, um, even in that weakness, um, his, his sons gracefully cover him up. Ham is given the curse. There is the blessing, and that blessing ultimately is Christ. And this is what the Bible is all about. All right. Hopefully I did a good job there. I tried my best. It was a good try. Anyways, hopefully that helped you today. Uh, And why don't we stop there? I'm going to pick up my daughter from school. All right, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Bless us, O Lord, in this very word, that through all things, O Lord, you give us, uh, you are the God of blessing, that you are the God of Shem, who leads us uh, down the line to Christ. Lord, we thank you for this day, for your promise. Bless and comfort us and keep us, O Lord, that even through all that we go through in our fallen nature, in our sin, there you give us the promised seed of Christ. We thank you, O Lord, for your continued grace and mercy. Bless and keep us and and lead us in your everlasting truth, the truth that has set us free. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, thank you for bearing with me. That was a lot of stuff in such short little time. But until next time, Pastor Jung here, Faith Lutheran Church, Bar Park, California, praying all that you are safe and well and that all is going well with you all by the grace of God. And until next time, love you all, praying for you all. That's right. A blessing and a curse. Ultimately, it's Jesus. The greatest gift for you. Adios. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.